Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 585 with Akash Kapoor. It's just, there's got to be very clear expectation setting. And I think that is very, very important for be it food business or be it any other business. You've got to know what to expect and, and, and you've got to kind of set that expectation. I'm sorry, the employee has to know what to expect. The manager has to know, these are my expectations. I'm very clear. And, and you know, by the way, if you've set that properly and there's, there's accountability, it keeps employees happy. That's what they want. And that's what the business owner wants. So we're all on the same page. We all live happily ever after. <laughs> are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge. Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at Get bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. Everybody loves payday. Am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable, and when you run your first payroll you'll get your first three months free again that's gusto.com slash unstoppable and with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest akash kapoor akash my man are you feeling unstoppable today I'm feeling unstoppable as I do every minute of my life. (laughs) Yes, that's what we like to hear. So hailing from Ranchi, India, Akash Kapoor started studying business communication, law, finance, and economics since the mid-80s. In the summer of 2009, after being inspired by Roy Choi's Kogi Barbecue Trucks, Akash and a few friends immediately got to work planning their Indian street food concept. Two months later, Curry Up Now was officially in business. Ten years after that, Kapoor and his team have scaled the operation to, uh, at one point, they had five food trucks. Today, they're at, I think you said two food trucks. Is that right? Or three? Three, yeah. Three, six brick and mortar locations with 41 additional franchises or franchise uh, locations in development as we speak you're doing amazing things man i cannot wait to get your story but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us 
you know, I, I two things that I really like is status quo sucks. There has to be change. Um, and, and, and the other thing is if you don't get better, you get worse. So that's kind of how I run my company. I love it, man. That's a great way to get started. I kind of want to dive deeper into this status quo sucks. How does that resonate with you? Well, you know, just because someone else before you or, or a bunch of companies have done a certain uh, things a certain way, I am not going to just follow that without first dissecting and looking at it and like, there must be a better way to do this. Awesome. Um, when, when, companies are small, when companies are small and dynamic, uh, a lot of good things happen and then they all become, <clears throat> then they become giants and, and then, it, you know, it, things move slow and, and that's not something that, that I believe in. I, I met somebody from Visa, which is based in the Bay Area the other day. They're like, you know, if we were, if we didn't have 90% of our staff, we would be as productive and as profitable. I'm like, that sucks. So that's what I mean by kind of status quo. Like we, we change things, we question things, we disrupt and, and we disrupted Indian food with the way we do our, uh, our, the, the way we do our food. So that's kind of how I live my life. Yeah, man. Great way to get this thing started. And you have a really interesting story because prior to opening Curry Up Now in 2009, you had no prior food and beverage business experience. Is that correct? None at, none at all, yeah. My, my mom did. So growing up, I was you know, I saw it a little bit. You know, I was boarding a few months that I was home. I did see her. But I mean, that's, those are different times and, and it was a completely different business. But no, not personally, none at all. Well, we have to dive into something. I feel like there's probably a lot of things that happened in your life prior to 2009 that set you up for success. You do have some business. I did see some business experience. What were you doing uh, before starting uh, the food truck? So from 99 till about 2007-ish, I was in the mortgage banking business, started as a mortgage broker, um, and then over the years built it into one of the largest subprime mortgage banks based in the Bay Area. We were lending in 26 states, uh, mostly focused on subprime, uh, a mortgage uh, origination at that point. And then once that business started to really hurt, like 2006, 2007, that's when I moved into, uh, I, I set up another company, slightly related, but kind of uh, not really. We started uh, doing debt settlement, uh, bankruptcies, and, and also tax settlement services. So not just kind of the front of the house, uh, front of the house, like not, not just the front originations, but just, just kind of doing the back office support for all these commercials you hear on TV or radio about debt settlement back, you know, so that's what I set up, um, turned that into one of the, you know, this, I'm not part of it, but yeah, one of the largest kind of uh, debt settlement, uh, tax settlements. Uh, service providers. So it's worth mentioning that you were a successful business entrepreneur prior to entering into the food and beverage realm. Um, you can say that. I don't like saying that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of your early lessons about business that you applied getting into the restaurant industry? You know, so being, being that you know, I'm a sales and marketing guy at heart. Um, obviously, very big foodie, but but before that comes, how do you make how do you make a business be a business? Like, how do you run the business? How do you put money in the bank, and then how do you leave money in the bank at the end of the month? So, 
you know, I've been self-employed since basically 1987-ish. So I was 17. Um, and, you know, one of the businesses I started is still alive and doing really well. It's a cable TV business in India. And, uh, you know, very, so didn't know, didn't know how to run things when you, when you first start. Uh, you know, your dad tries to teach you, but you know how that goes. You're like, I'll learn this myself. And, uh, you know, just kind of learned profit and loss, learned the debit and credits of, of running a business, um, learned how to hire better. And that, you know, obviously still, that's still a learning. Uh, but on the, on the core, core essence of it is how do you market this business? How do you make people like you and want you and crave you? So that's where, where I come from. So reflecting back on these early days when you're learning about marketing and branding, any key lessons that you've picked up that you can share with us going into Curry Up Now that you had already possessed? You know, you've got to create a, a, a product. You've got to, and then the, and you create a brand. Um, it's got to be different. It's, you know, if, if everybody was called ABC Mortgage back when I created the mortgage business, then why would they come to the other ABC mortgage? What 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 was different? Were your fees lower? Were your fees fixed? Were you, were you one price? What is your product? What's your brand? And that's what I learned. And that's what I brought into the food business as well. Yeah. What you're what I'm hearing, what, something that comes up often on the show is creating a unique selling proposition, uh, something that sure. separates you from your competitors. So you sure. can become number one because you're not just duplicating what somebody else is already doing. You 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 are in your own field. Correct. I mean, otherwise, what, what, again, what, what is so different about you that I come to your store and buy a car? Or, you know, why do I come to you to get a loan? Or why do I come to your Indian restaurant, not the one down the street? So those are the learnings that you know, I was referring to. What about key mentors? Typically, when I'm interviewing people, they, they come up in the restaurant industry. They have been working in the restaurant industry since their teens, right? And they have all these major mentors that have taught them about the business along the way. Uh, you're unique in the sense that you don't really have any mentors in the restaurant industry uh, prior to opening your restaurant. But what about just life mentors, business mentors that you had? Anybody like that that stands out? You know, my father... Um, he was self-employed, like similar, similar to me. He wanted to be an actor. He was, he was a stage actor, a very successful stage actor. Didn't make it in movies because his father got sick and, and he was asked to go into business and support family right when he graduated from college. So he's been self-employed now, um, probably 55 years, um, now. So I get, I get, a, I mean, that's who I listen to. His teachings are very, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't listen to your parents as much as when you're 45, 47. (laughs) So, you know, I I get a lot of life lessons, but also a lot of business lessons from him. And and I've been getting that since, you know, we we live together as well. So, yeah, we we talk about a lot of things. And he's my one mentor that I I look up to and, and get things from. So this is where I like to go deep, as I say, and pull back the layers, reflecting on the man your father is his values. Uh, how has he really influenced you? Who, how has he made you into the man you are today? Give me some specific core values that he's implanted in you. You know, simple things like, and, and now a lot of people obviously, I mean, my dad's not a genius, just experience teaches you 
you know how to how to how to do things right but you know very early on he told me hey make sure you pay a dollar more than the guy next to you so if you're on the same street there's 20 restaurants how does somebody why why would the employee want to come to you rather than someone else so kind of you know as they say be a preferred employer right so how do you become a preferred employer money is one thing treating them right is the other giving them a good schedule you know work life balance blah 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 all those all those keywords but obviously money plays a role in it so you know he's like hey make sure you take care of your employees once they're in because it's hard to replace them and you know everybody learns that and, and you, you 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 read about them but when when somebody teaches you from very close quarters so that's one of the things i've learned and then you know the other thing that that we actually founded curry up now as one of the founding principles uh, and and we we do that even now is you know do not turn people away when they come to your restaurant for food even if you're closed so we actually have an unwritten policy about hey even if people come in 10 minutes late you are not allowed to tell them we're shut we're open i'm sorry we're shut but we'll feed you because you made an effort to come to us but unfortunately we can't give you the whole menu but here's six things that we can make for you very quickly and and then the other thing is if you don't have money if you leave your credit card at home you don't have a checkbook you don't have cash we'll make your food free you can come back and pay us so those are things that you know i've learned from him uh that that we adapt and we we use even now I love that. And when you think of what the word hospitality is, it's warmth, it's generosity, it's caring. And how better can you show that you're caring for somebody but by going against what you say you're going to do to make sure that they are taken care of. Like you say you close at 10 o'clock at night, but we'll stay open 10 minutes later because we are displaying hospitality, warmth, generosity. Like you got to live hospitality. You can't just say you're hospitable, right? Yeah, and I mean, if you've been to, and I, I also kind of learned this from many Chinese restaurants, because if you if you show up late to a Chinese restaurant and they're having their family meal or their you know their their uh, their staff meal, they will not turn you away. They'll actually get up, make make some food for you, and bring it right back to you, right to your table. So that's very important because you've made an effort to drive twenty thirty minutes away. You got late, you are late, whatever, but here you are, here's a guest and that guest will remember you. They'll be like, wow, they went out of their way to, to, to do something. And I, you know, I was ready for rejection, but you know, people are most happy when they get something, when they feel that they're being, they're going to get rejected. Right. Yeah. Uh, And the other variable from the story that you, you share with us, you said that you committed it to a policy. And I think that is where most people fall short. They say they're going to do these things, but they don't commit it to writing. They don't commit it to a policy and they don't let it be known enough. So when the opportunity does occur to go the extra mile and to stay open 10 minutes later to really show your warmth and your generosity, uh, people have forgotten that, that that's what you're all about. Do you want to reflect on why that's so important? Yeah. You know, so we, we, we officially shut at 10, for example, on the weekdays, but we don't shut our cash register for 15 minutes and we don't, you know, the kitchen's turned off. We start, we start taking it down, but yeah, we, we do not, if somebody shows up, we'll make them, you know, four or five or six things because the food's still warm. It's still, still safe to eat. So yeah, um, a, a few months ago, for example, you know, we, we obviously have a lot of staff that, that comes in and out by, by nature. This is a kind of a transient business. There's a lot of turnover. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do a monthly podcast internally 
for for employees and that's more, mostly about culture it's about vision it's about sharing my kind of uh, you know the inner feelings of my heart about our food and uh, one of the last i think we did this i did this 2 months ago and i said hey this is how this works this is why we do it and this is why you're going to have to do it uh, do not turn people away when they come without money do not turn people away if they're 10 minutes late make sure you make them something you don't have to So it is very ingrained uh, with, with everybody because every new employee that shows up that comes to work as part of their orientation and their onboarding, they listen to pod, to our internal podcast, and they're not they're only you know sixty seconds, ninety seconds. So it's not like they have to you have to spend ten hours doing. That's awesome. I I made a note to come back to that later in the conversation because I feel like we can learn a lot about how to set that internal communication up. But for now, I want to stay chronological. Uh, any other key mentors? Any other key lessons that you've applied in your life as a uh, restaurant tour? You know, I I don't really have any kind of official. You've given us plenty, man. I don't need to <laughs> dig for any more. You're doing great. So. I, I don't really have anybody else, and then you know, just just my core values of okay. So when when I go to a restaurant, what am I looking for? I'm a very tough person to please, food wise, and also on the service side of things. Uh, and unfortunately, today I don't know for for whatever reason, service in a restaurant. I mean, you ask ten people, when was the last time they felt wow? Like, be it a fast, casual, be it a quick service, or be it a you know a, a sit down restaurant. And I'll tell you, eight out of ten times, maybe even more, people will be like, "My last five, I was very underwhelmed." So, so the question again, reverse it back. When were you overwhelmed? Like, when were you like, "Wow, this was a great experience"? Not just food, but you know everything. And it doesn't happen. So the so 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 the bar is really really low. This is society today. The bar for service is very very low. So if you can do even you know fifteen twenty thirty percent better than than the average restaurant, you're doing amazing. Like because again, you don't have to be a ten on ten right now <laughs> because the bar is like a three or a yeah. four. I really believe that. Yeah, you, you make a good point. And really, uh, just what stood out to me and what you said is it's not enough to meet expectations today. If you really want to be successful, you need to exceed them. You need to take what the status quo is and blow that out of the water, which kind of comes back to your original mantra, right? Absolutely. The whole company kind of, you know, is, is how I kind of like to lead it. Um, and you know, more often than not, we, we find success with it. And so that's why, why, you know, why, why, why change that, right? That part of it at least. So one more question on that note that you brought up, you said that the industry or the world that we live in is very kind of blah right now. The expectations are so low. Why do you think that is? How do we, how have we gotten to this point? You know, I, I really think it's because of the PNL. Um, it's, it's a necessity. I, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, you know, like yesterday, I was I was at dinner with my brother uh, and, and our kids and, and my wife, and, and we had ordered tea. They forgot tea. We had ordered, so we had to remind them. And at the end, they still didn't bring it. We so nobody came to check on us. It was a fast casual restaurant. Like, hey, we had ordered tea. We're leaving. Can we get a refund? And they say we don't know how to do refunds. I'm like, are you serious right now? You don't know how to do a refund? It's like, no, we don't. But we have a bakery. Why don't you? Pick up something from there for the equal value. Think, all right, we had ordered a second food item that never showed up. So again, we had to pick up two things from the bakery. Oh, that is 
ridiculously bad service. Um, I, I, you know, I would just pick up some cash and say, hey, sorry, I can't refund your credit card, but here's some cash. You know, sorry. And, and here's a gift certificate for the next time you show up because we screwed up. Um, at, at Curry Up Now, if we, if we get a complaint from a guest, any complaint that, hey, my food took too long or my food was cold, it was too spicy, our, our policy is we, we refund 100% of what they ate that day and then we give them a gift certificate to come back and eat with us again. I love That's it. When you said that people focus too much on the P&L is what I heard. Are you talking about the bottom line? Like they're more focused on the margin than they are the human experience? I mean, you have to, right? I mean, you've got to pay your bills, right? Um, and, and, and so what happens is, and I'm glad you brought this up, what, what, what happens is if you lower the amount of people that work in the restaurant, obviously the service level tends to get, you know, tends to not be as nice, as, as good as it should be. I mean, that's just dollars and cents. It's the practicality of this business or any other business. Everyone's got to make money. There's no point in having a great brand and great principles and, you know, all, all the good things when you're not, you know, when you don't have money to open the next day. So I get it. I mean, I, I, that's one of my biggest challenges is how do you create a model where you could do more with less? And, and it, it comes down to finding the right people the economy today doesn't allow us to find, unfortunately, the, the, the best talent out there because, you know, there's also many other choices. And, and, and one of the things that's faced by the restaurant uh, owners is you've got the Ubers and the DoorDashes and, and there's so much alternative employment, which is better. And, and they make more money than, than, than what they do at a restaurant. So, yeah, those are the challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. And I kind of have like this theory where at one point I believe the hospitality industry, food and beverage was super personal. The service was there, but over time, uh, we learned that if you pay attention to the bottom line, if you really learn your numbers, then you can be much more successful. You can be much more profitable. And we've made such an effort to focus on the P and L, the numbers that the, the real busy successful brands, uh, that grow, uh, sort of, kind of sacrificing the human element for the bottom line. And over time that became the standard. And now we've gotten so far away from hospitality that uh, the opposite is true, where if you focus more on the human element, there's actually more opportunity there than the bottom line because we're starved for it. Would you do you, I know our connections a little broken right now. Do you get all that? Yeah, I think it's huge because again, as I said, the bar is low and if you can, you know, if the bar is at three or four, and you're performing at six or seven, sure, it's not 10. We should all strive to be perfect. But, you know, if you're at seven or eight, you're doing a lot better than the average restaurant. And people remember that. And they forgive you, even if your food's not the best. But if you're very, if, if you know, you're having an off day, yet the service is great and there's follow-up on the table and can I bring you anything else? Uh, you're not eating this food. Do you not like it? Can I, you know, make you something else? Um, your kid's not eating. What's going on? Things like that. Because uh, if that's not happening, um, then, then there's something wrong. I mean, I, at the end of the day, where people come to us to, they, they could have gone to a thousand other places. So we feel, you know, for us, it's also, hey, a lot of things in the universe come together for that guest to come into hurry up now. Let's not screw this up. Akash, I'm loving this conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about how you opened and scaled Curry Up Now. Sure. 
So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. We're back and take us to the point where the idea for curry up started to come into reality or like, how did, what was the catalyst for this, this concept? You know, I'm not sure there was a catalyst, but there was a there was a day, uh, summer of 2009, uh, around July. We were having drinks, barbecue at a home, and, and looking for something to do, something to kind of we were, we were brainstorming, and we we had an aha moment. We saw there was a Time magazine, and they were covering, uh, as I think they called gourmet food trucks at that point, and and. Uh, we looked at each other and, and said, why are we not doing this on a, on a, on, on, with Indian food? So we, we read through that article. We passed the magazine around. And one of our friends uh, grew up uh, with Roy Choi, had some inside. And, you know, that very day, we kind of came up with some menu items. We named the concept. We actually made the food and we tasted it. And uh, like, hey, this is going to happen. And, uh, you know, it all, it all happened so perfectly, like, Hey, this is meant to be like, how are we like naming the concept that day or how are we naming food items that day and how are we making those food items and tasting them? Like, how do we even have all the ingredients? Like it was, it was, you know, now that I think of it, it's quite surreal. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so two weeks later, we were like, Hey, let's be two weeks later. We had a truck. We actually, Man. you know, we didn't. So that was a Saturday, I remember, and I think two. We picked up our truck not that Friday later, but it's Friday after. I want to tap the brakes a little bit because I think it's worth diving into exactly what it was that Roy Choi was doing. That you said we need to do this. What was unique about what they were doing that you wanted to recreate in Indian food? You know, so so I looked at what what is what what do I like about what Kobe Barbecue is doing and and. How, how it applies to Indian food. I mean, it's a very different cuisine. There's, there's no connection. The connection is, you know, how the food was being served. The vehicle that was being used uh, is a burrito or, or a taco or a quesadilla. And, you know, that left me very impressed. It left me wanting to do the same for Indian food, yet not mess with the authenticity of, of, of the cuisine. We don't, we don't want to mess with the taste. We don't want to mess with the texture yet. We want to make it, you know, for lack of a better word, mainstream 
how do you do that? Everybody knows what a burrito is. Everybody knows what a taco is. Everybody knows what a quesadilla is. Now, you know what? What what's also helped is the the Americanization of uh, I'm sorry the 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 pantry the American pantry has become so international. So you know we we were we were uh, when when we when we launched with with those founding principles in mind, um, it's, it's it's led to uh, to you know it stuck it's it, it hit a chord it stuck and uh, that's kind of how we started. Yeah, I'm not com- entirely familiar with Roy Choi's business model. I'm, I know it started off as food trucks, and they're kind of doing like the fast casual bowls and wraps uh, that approach. I think there was a lot of things that was happening around that time, 2008, 2009, uh, with the advent of the the mobile, the, the smartphone, where there was social media, where you can announce where you were, where you're going to be. So uh, mobile trucks had the ability to promote themselves, and then like you uh, kind of alluded to. There, it was during a time where people were sharing, like it was a culinary explosion because again, smart food, social media, people sharing food all over the place. People were becoming much more willing to go outside of their comfort zone when it became to food. And it looks like you recognize that. Yes. And also, also people were demanding very, very quickly that, Hey, we want something different. Um, we were, were, were probably bored of, yeah, no, there's comfort food. Nothing replaces comfort food. Nothing should ever replace comfort food. Yet there's, you know, there's different food. There's stoner food. There's like happy food. There's like weird food. And there's like all kinds of food that people adopted and and adapted to. And like, this is fun. Like, this is different. I can't eat that every day. I'm not going to eat that every day. Yet I'm going to put this into my repertoire of of foods that I eat. Um, And I think, I think with the social media, with, with the food trucks, that people, people were expecting that. They wanted strange things. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, another thing that I, I want to go into uh, deeper is something that I've, I've seen uh, with other success stories, especially with people that don't have a lot of experience with food and beverage in the first place. You kind of had a little bit of a runway because you had other successful endeavors in your life leading up to this point. So, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is, did you have a cushion? Did you have um, some wiggle room to to fail a few times and be able to recover? Uh, was that a variable? I'm, I'm curious. I had absolutely no wiggle room. We okay. lost our, our mortgage company, and, and I was I was not in a good place financially at that point. There was no wiggle room. We had to make money day one, and we did. Okay, interesting. See, that's what happens when I make assumptions. So uh, when the day that you opened in September, that, that you were doing weekends in the beginning, right? That was your only source of income? Uh, no, I had, I had already started a different company. Okay. But, but if, you, if you recall the financial kind of meltdown in 2006, 7, 8, around that time, it was pretty bad. And, and, and I was in the middle of it. Like I was, I own a very large company and we tried to keep it open for a couple of years and try to pivot to do different kind of loans and business loans. And, you know, just wanted to stay in the business very, very badly and just couldn't figure it out. Um, we, we lost, we lost our, our, our credit lines and our, our bonds and insurance, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, but it didn't all happen in one day. It was a very kind of, you know, it was a two-year death, and that bled money. Mm. So when we opened Kareem now, my, my, my father actually wrote me a $19,000 check to go buy our first truck. Wow. 
And so it was, it was a very kind of small budget, but we knew we're not going to fail. We're, we, the, the failure, when failure is not an option, you don't fail. Mm. So what were you doing with it? What was it about this mentality that failure wasn't an option that made you act differently? Take us through how you were behaving because you did not accept failure as an option. You know, failure is not an option for, in, and hasn't been an option, fortunately, for me. That's that's kind of my 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 attitude with everything that that I do. I play a lot of sports, and and I hate when I fail or when I lose. And and but you know, you can't win every time. Um, but in when we started Karib now, we knew that this is a going to become. We, we we felt there was something special. There was something. There was something there. I. I, I don't have the words for the, for, for 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 it, but you, sometimes you just feel like this this is special. It's there's gonna it's gonna happen. However, you don't know if you're in denial at that point, right? You're like, okay, I feel it's special, yeah. but what the hell? Right? Like, am I an idiot? Like, do I? What do I know? How do I? What's proof of concept? Like, let's let's run it. So the reason we were doing it on the weekends because I was building another company at that point and I was fully employed there. So was so was my wife. Um, and so we basically, uh, and there was another individual from the mortgage days from the mortgage company that came on and is also a credited as being a founder of this company. His name's Amir. And so we were, we were, uh, and he was part of the new company too, the debt, debt and tax company. So we were only available on the weekends and, uh, so Saturday, Sundays and, and, we would cook Friday, uh, prep for prep for the weekend. Uh, open the truck at 10 a.m., go till 3 p.m., and then again go and cook again. Uh, those were those were some very interesting days. We had a lot of help, a lot of support, because I think fa- family, obviously friends, they all bought into it. Um, initially, it was like this is the worst idea ever, but I, you know, I I I didn't I didn't think so, um, and. But once, you know, once there's like, this guy's stubborn, he's, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, they backed me and they helped us and it, it was, it was awesome times. So you mentioned earlier uh, that it was kind of just the, it sounds like it was almost faith. You didn't know what it was that was driving you. You just believed it was going to work. Faith, other people call it, you know, optimism. I mean, I lean towards that word optimism, uh, but you had such a unique selling proposition. Nobody else was doing what you were doing. You were so different. I can see why you would have so much optimism. I think that that unique selling proposition really probably influenced you. Would you say that was probably one of the biggest things is that you knew it was just so unique. Nobody else was doing it. You know, in a cheesy way, I I think my wife and I were were both put on this planet to be part of Curry of Now. Awesome. This is why. This is this is who we are. This is what we were supposed to be doing. Uh, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to us now. And we didn't know that then, but now we realize like this is exactly what this is what we love. Like we have tough days, more more tough days than. Then, then not. This is the restaurant business, and we're building a we're building a brand nationwide and worldwide at some point very soon. It, there's very many bad days, but you just stand there and like this is it. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We'll 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 figure it out. So yeah, I mean, destiny, fate. You know, our, our yeah. family believes in that. So yeah, I hear you. So one thing that I also think is really curious about your story is that you 
started with just weekends. Uh, what was the strategy behind doing just weekends? Was that all you had the bandwidth for? Were you just testing things out? Like, what were you thinking with doing just weekends? I, I don't think it was testing. We didn't really have a, you know, we didn't we didn't have a business plan as such or or, or strategy at that point. That was, as I alluded to earlier, that was the only time we had available. Um, so we put this out in 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 the neighboring city, the town I live in doesn't have kind of a commercial shopping area. So Burlingame, which is, you know, a mile and a half away, we parked it outside, you know, Citibank and a, and a church. And, you know, lo and behold, people showed up and, and we would tweet and we'd put it on Facebook. And, you know, two, three, four hundred people would show up. And it was very overwhelming because we, we didn't, we didn't, the stupidity, stupidity or whatever, um, we did not hire anybody from the restaurant business. We didn't hire a cook. We didn't hire a chef. We didn't hire a cashier. It was us. We were the cooks, and we're home cooks. And I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a pretty mean cook. I mean, I, 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 I can hold my own. But, but to, to do it for two, three, four hundred people on a commercial scale is very different. Yeah, but at the same time, what you were doing is very authentic because you guys were cooking the food that you knew, right? And I don't know how easy it would have been for you to find a, a chef, an Indian chef. Maybe I'm I'm ignorant in that regard, but it was probably more authentic for you to do it early on yourselves. Well, so a lot of it came from family stuff. So my dad, we we have we we serve garbanzo beans, and that's my dad's recipe. We do soft paneer, which is spinach. That's also my dad's recipe. That's exactly the same recipe we make at home every week. There's, you know, it's not a very restaurant style kind of preparation. My mom has her touch on all of it. And, um, you know, my wife had the rice recipe done and, and, and I figured out how to make, you know, goat and chicken tikka masala and, and things like that. Um, but most of it was, you know, we have to do this. We've got to disrupt how Indian food's been done. We're not putting a tandoor on the truck. We're not making kebabs. We're not, you know, making naan. That's not who we are. And, and, and yeah, so, we, I mean, frankly, we don't even have a chef till today. That's me. I'm still, I still control food at Curry now. So I'm, I'm, I'm scared to bring one in because what, what's going to happen? Are things going to change? <laughs> or, uh, you know, maybe it's my insecurity. I'm going to bring in someone who knows more than me. But no, I think it's more, that's not who we are, right? I mean, we've figured out our food and it's great. So, and it hasn't changed. So going back to that only being open on the weekends, uh, were you guys all working? Did you all have part-time jobs when you started? Or did you go, all go all in from day one and you were only open on the weekends? We all had full-time jobs. See, that, I think that's so smart, though, because I think a lot of people fail early on because they do go all in and they don't scale into it. Uh, you were only open on weekends. You kept your labor low. Uh, you kept your, you know, your operational costs low, only being open on weekends. And you, you slowly started as a side hustle and then made it your full-time job. How long did it take you to go from side hustle to full-time? You know, I frankly didn't. So that was September 2009. I got full-time into Korea now. June of 2012. Wow. So a while. My wife was running it full-time. Amir was in it full-time pretty quickly, I think three or four months into it. And then we had we had our, our nanny who became our first cook, uh, Marisol, and she's still with us. So the founding kind of the four people on truck on the truck day one are still with Kariv now. 
which is also you know huge uh, in its own way. So yeah, we we were we were part time, and then we became full time. And I think the truck moved from being Saturday Sunday only to you know very quickly doing Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, and then the beginning of the year, the beginning of two thousand ten, is when I think we got our second truck, and then we were out you know almost oh, actually we were out every day two trucks and things started to move very quickly for us. So you were quoted to say that you learned so much just from failing. What were the biggest failures? Like what were the things that really just blindsided you in the early days that you wish you knew that you know now that you wish you knew then? You know, so the early days we didn't have a restaurant till 2011 April and we we started service on September 26, 2009. So those early days on the trucks are I mean the trucks teach you it's a completely different experience. It's it's a kitchen and it's a vehicle. It's got mechanical issues. It's got kitchen issues. There's propane. We we had services. Where, you know, when we first started, I think at least two or three times, we're like, "What happened? Why why did everything go off?" And it's cold, and there's 150 people in line, and we come to find out there's no propane. We forgot to put propane. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> there's you know there's equipment malfunction like crazy, and you've got to adjust on the fly. Um, Failure, I mean, I, you know, I tend to, to blank that off. If I failed, it kind of goes away from my memory very, very quickly. Uh, I can't think of like stuff that stuck with me that's, that, that we failed on. And then that's early days on the food truck. With restaurants, I think the biggest failure that I've seen is if you hire the wrong person, it messes you up in so many different ways. It's very hard to undo it and it takes time. Um, so that's one of the things that I've, that I learned because I, you know, I have innate faith in the human spirit and I feel like, I feel everybody can do everything and, and that's not the case. <laughs> so uh, maybe is there a specific story without mentioning names and getting too much into detail to protect the identity of some folks? What was the situation? Did you put too much faith in somebody and what, at what point along the timeline did that come into play? You know, you, you put faith in, 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 in the experts, right? People who've been in the restaurant business for five years, 10 years, 15 years. Um, and, and they've been at big brands and the, the Chevys and the Applebee's and the IHOPs of the world, you know, maybe other, you know, I don't remember specifics as such, but what happens is these people are not used to working in a startup food environment where you're taking it from a truck into a restaurant, into two restaurants, into three restaurants. That's a very different kind of, it, it, it's the difference between working at a startup and working at, let's say, I mean, Intel or, or IBM or one of the big, you know, the old technology companies, right? There's a difference between, between, between the, a startup restaurant and an established. So we, we got a lot of, we had a lot of problems on that front. What would you say the biggest difference is? The most important difference? I think, you know, we're, in, when, when you, I think this, it's the same difference between a startup tech company versus a, uh, an established tech company. It's everybody has to do everything. You're wearing different hats. One shift's going to be nowhere close to the second one. And, and we went through all of that. And, and, and then we started getting managers who were just cashiers. And we're like, let's mentor this person. Let's train this person. And we hired three people 
that are now managers with us and they you know they were they were they were part-time cashiers for us on the food trucks we're like no let's mentor these people and let's see if these guys can be can be made into leaders and mentored and you know we spend hours hundreds maybe thousands of hours just mentoring and training and and now they are our our best people i mean two of our oldest managers are are they're rock stars and but they came on as food truck cashiers we looked at ourselves like we're 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 outsiders in the food business maybe we could do this we tried we tried bringing in a lot of experienced help and and by the way we're we're bringing in experienced help now but now we know how to how to weed, weed out the good at least we think we know we still make mistakes uh, Wait, but so yeah, go uh, into that. How do you know now? What were the mistakes that you made before that you learned from? And what are you doing differently now to protect yourself from those mistakes? Well, what we're doing differently now is we, <laughs> we've, we're, we're not, we're not a very big company, but we're much bigger than what we were. So we have, you know, six, seven people meeting these, these, these candidates. Uh, if, if we're recruiting them ourselves uh, versus through a, through a recruiting company, we're taking them through, we're putting them through some testing. We're doing some, you know, we've got, we've got some, 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 you know, I mean, we're, we're nine years old now. So we've learned the one thing we did is, okay, let's model a good manager. Now, not on paper, not in Excel, but let's say who is a good manager. What is this manager lacking? Is there any, you know, let's create the perfect human being to be a career now manager. And let's see who is closest to it at Curry of now. All right. So it's, it's person A. All right. Person A has some weaknesses. What are those weaknesses? Let's now let's see if we can find, you're never going to find perfect. So if you're getting to, again, I, I am a numbers guy, right? So if you're getting to seven out of 10 or eight out of 10, is that a good number? Is that good enough? And how does that seven or eight relate to who I think is in my company, the most perfect manager? So we compare against our perfect, right? Which may not be perfect in the real world in, in outside of career. Now. Yeah. So just, to, you know, start with the end of mind. We say it all the time on the show, create that, that perfect vision of what you want, that perfect individual. What do they look like? And start from there, work backwards to, to create that, that manager or to attract onto yourself that manager that, that's perfect for the job. But I, I know a lot of people that are listening to this who are still really small are thinking to themselves, I don't have the the time to to go through and to to create all these these uh checkpoints these systems to to make sure we're getting these people what was the conversation you had with yourself to to trans uh to to uh what's the word uh to evolve into transform to the point where you were willing to put all that upfront work in how did you justify it and how did you get there over time you know i think i think the bottom line is People can have degrees and the most amount of experience and recommendations and great references and a good background check. But at the end of the day, they've got to figure shit out. They've got to be able to figure it out. They've got to be able to relate to my vision. What is it that Curry of Now is? Are you buying into the concept? Do you really know? Do you really, really, really know what, what we're trying to do? No, we're not. We're not trying to change the world in any way, shape, or form. We're not trying to invent an electric car and put it through a tunnel. That's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to feed people a different kind of Indian food, all right, that they have not previously been 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 accustomed to. Um, and, and again, the, the quality was really bad or whatever, whatever the branding, we're just trying to say, we're trying to make people happy. And how do you make people happy for us? 
give them good food. It should be hot, it should be fresh. Can you figure this out? All right, perfect. Is that important to you? Good. That's important to you? Same. We're, we're on the same page. Now, do you know how to make money while doing it? Because if you don't make money, I can't pay you. So, so let's figure out will you order correctly. So we go down to like, how do you place your orders? Um, how much do you like to keep on hand? How much? And I'm not going to tell you this. I'm not, I'm not going to babysit you. We're going to give you a key and you're going to figure it out. And are you going to keep your restrooms clean? Will there always be toilet paper? Like stupid things like that. We don't ever want to be out of toilet paper. That becomes a very violent time. If I visit a restaurant, if I see that we don't have toilet paper, or if we don't have soap, or if our bathroom's dirty, like, can you figure these things out? Are these things as important to you as they are to me? Because again, people are coming to your, to your, to your store. They could have gone to a thousand others. Once they're in, we're not going to do anything that starts to piss them off or gross them out. So we've, you know, we, again, person has to be able to figure it out. So this is, I'm assuming earlier on when you're really trying to identify those managers, you're trying to find out if they, if their level of given F was at your level and you're testing them to see if they would do this on their own. But moving into a franchise model, I would assume that you have processes and checklists to make sure all these things don't get overlooked. Is that kind of where you are now? Yeah, that's exactly where we are, are, are now because, you know, we're at six stores all the way from, you know, they're, they're, they're all over the Bay Area. It's very hard for me. Earlier, I would visit every store every day, but, I mean, it's impossible. Sometimes uh, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting inside a store sometimes three months, sometimes four or five months. Um, but I want to make sure that even though I'm not there, I'm there, right? So, so what are my standards? They're on paper. They're the same standards for every store. This is how we want it done. And if, if you're not able to do that, if you're not able, you know, your accountability, you're being held accountable to that standard. Uh, and it's a very clear expectation. We're not messing around. So, we're, so very, you know, we're very nice to you at work, but this is a business. We're not going to mess around and so you're not going to mess around. Early on, it sounds like you're more focused on the core values, the the moral standards of this person. Do they have high standards? Are they that kind of person that does pay attention to the detail? And can we trust that they're going to show up at the same level that I show up to my own business every day? It sounded like that was more important to you early on. And now um, that you've gotten those key players, those key managers who have, you've recreated yourself essentially in these managers. They, they care about it as much as you care about it. And now that you have the people on your team that care as much as you care, you're then implementing the more uh, stiff standards, if you will, to make sure that the, the standard is met going forward. Is that kind of where I'm, am I hearing it right? Or I don't want to put words into your mouth. No, I think, I think those are still very important to me. People have to buy into the vision of Curry of Now, not just saying, hey, you know, why do you want to work at Curry of Now? I, oh, you're a growing brand and I want to be part of a growing brand, blah, 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 all the generic interview, interview answers. No, like, why? Why do you really want to be part of Korea now? What do you know about us? What do you know what I know? Like, what? how do you know, how do I know that you're going to be a mini-me, right? In a, in a weird way, like, how are you going to carry my torch at a store that I might not visit six months from, uh, for six months later or for the next six months? Like, are you going to take care of my guests? Like, don't mess with the brand. Don't mess with the guests. Don't mess with the food. And at the end of the day, most, if you if you uphold those standards, if you if you keep your managers accountable to that standard, 
you're making money. The piano will be happy. So that's kind of how we run the business. Got you. So I can't believe we're already at almost 50 minutes of recording time. It's going by so fast. Is there anything that we haven't touched on up to this point? Something that's near and dear to your heart that you want to bring to the conversation to add more value? You know, I think, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a super soft kind of guy at heart, but when it comes to business, there's, there's a different kind of level that again, when you're growing, it's, it's one thing to have a couple stores and, or, or, you know, a smaller business, but when you're growing and you want your guests to feel, you know, the same experience, you've got to hire very, very well. You cannot take reasons and or excuses, um, but th- those are those are not acceptable. Like I want ABC. I want it done at a certain time frame. I want it done all the time. And if you've got a problem with that, then then get out. This is not for you. But if you want to, you know, if you want to be happy, and if you want to, this is you know, we'll keep you happy. We we love our employees, and our employees love us for the most part. By the way, it's just there's got to be very clear expectation setting, and I think. That is very, very important for be it food business or be it any other business. You've got to know what to expect and, and, and you've got to kind of set that expectation. I'm yeah. sorry, the employee has to know what to expect. The manager has to know, these are my expectations. I'm very clear. And, and you know, by the way, if you've set that properly and there's, there's accountability, it keeps employees happy. That's what they want. And that's what the business owner wants. So we're all on the same page. We all live happily ever after. Yeah. And I know there's at least one person listening to this right now who's having the conversation with themselves, but there's just isn't a lot of people out there. The, 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 the people that are just available to even hire are so slim. I need to put something, somebody in my business because I can't do it all by myself. And they start to like, you know, lower their standard a little bit, but what is it about your business curry up now that allowed you to attract onto yourself the right people where you didn't have to lower your standards. What's so unique about your business that lets you get the best of the best? Oh, we, we lowered our standards. plenty. (laughs) (laughs) We've hired, we've hired bad, we've hired good and then made that person bad. We've made every mistake that, you know, you could think of making in, in, in HR and, 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 you know, uh, we haven't broken laws, fortunately, but, um, we now have, you know, this is so important to me. Um, early last year, I'm like, we need, no, actually two years ago, we're like, we need an HR person. Like, I can't be the HR guy because I'm, I'm dangerous when it comes to HR. So, <laughs> uh, and HR is just not about complying with state rules and regulations and federal rules and regulations. It's also about setting up the company, forget the company, setting up, setting up, which, I mean, the employees and managers are part of the company big part of the company is like, how do we make them happy? How do we make them make sure that they're going somewhere in life? Like, this is just not a job. This is a career. Let's help, you know, let's identify our future leaders. So I wanted to bring in an HR person who felt the same way. It took me almost three years to find that person. And I said no to, I've had, I, mean, I can't even remember how many interviews. That was probably the most selective hire I've ever made because I thought that was one of the most important hires I'm ever going to make because this person is going to be, you know, creating or help create future leaders for us. And and the best leaders, in my opinion, come from within the company, not from outside. So what was right about this HR person that you did end up hiring? How did you know that he or she was the right fit? Well, first of all, I was very, very, very keen on getting somebody who, who, understood food 
was part of food. Food's a unique kind of business. Um, it's as I, I said earlier, it's a transient workforce. Uh, people people are working while they're in college. People, this is not somebody's preferred career as such, right? Uh, you're 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 a lot of a lot of people in this country work in the food business, but it's 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 a ways to a meal. It's not it's not it's not what you set out to be. And there are certain people who make it their career from day one. So you've got to get that person in who understands this, buys into it, and then. Again, you know, the, the vision, the, the core values have to align. Like, do you believe in the same thing I believe in? Uh, are you, are you I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cool guy, but I want, I want somebody who's relevant, who's cool, who can, who can hang with the millennials, yet <laughs> can, can be in a boardroom and, and, you know, very mature manner, be able to say, hey, this is what I do and this is why I do it and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I wanted to find this person. And, you know, probably 50, 60 years later, that's when we found him. And when we offered him a job, and we never do this. I never do it. I'm like, before the end, like, dude, I want you to come work for me. Let's do this. And we shook hands. Mm-hmm. So one thing that you alluded to earlier that I meant to mention, I, I kind of looked over, uh, but I want to bring back to the surface, is that you kind of have an eye for branding and marketing in that aspect. Uh, what is it about the Curry Up brand uh, or how are you intentional about the, the curry up brand that you think has made it sticky? What things have you done that we can re- replicate in our business as far as being sticky? You know, branding from day one for me and, and I bet, you know, I'm, I, even at, even at previous companies, branding was very, very important for me. So I brought that into curry up now from day one. And even now, branding is every, in my opinion, it's so important. It's so important that we spend all of last year rebranding, even though we have a really sexy brand. It's very relevant. It, it would have been relevant for a few more years at least, but I wanted to be ahead of the curve. I'm like, there's a lot of people who are now, you know, doing what we're doing. Screw that. So now we're going to create something different and we're going to be four or five years ahead. And then again, and it comes, you know, a year, a year, a year from three or four years later, we're like, we'll recreate, we'll rebrand. You've got to always be relevant, like, and be, you know, I, I don't like, you know, I don't like copying people or, or looking at something like, oh, that's that's cool. Like, no, I you have to be delusional about. It. Like, let me see what I can, you know, what crazy stuff I can do with this, and not just say, oh, this brand's really cool. I want to be like that person. No. I think I want people to look at me in an egotistical way. I'm like, they want, I'd like people to say, I want to be like her right now. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned something that I want to dive into deeper. You said you got to stay relevant. You got to, you know, uh, evolve. And when people catch up to what you're doing, you got to go five years out to be, you know, again, ahead of everybody. What, what are some key things that you've done to redefine, not maybe redefine, but, or to stay relevant that has really supported your success? You know, if you look at our branding, I mean, you've got to obviously hire rights, uh, but you can hire the, the, the best graphic person and the best branding person and the best kind of interior designer, but, but it all comes down to what do you want? Like, what do you want your guests to see? You've got to look at every little piece, every little inch of your restaurant that, that gets branded. You've got to look at everything that people look at online, offline, like, how do you want your brand to be viewed from a guest's point of view, from a customer's point of view? Because I am not, I am not 
a million customers, right? I'm one guy, right? Like, how do you, and it's, there's a lot of pressure associated with it. Like, I mean, everybody has to like what you just created. Forget, I mean, they've got to like the food. They've got to like the branding. They've got to like your chair. They've got to like the restroom. Like there's, you've got to be very, very kind of conscientious about that. So what are the details that you catch, the, the details your eye goes to that the average eye wouldn't go to? Give us some things to put on our radar that we should be paying attention to that most people don't. You know, I, I look at things like, like how many steps does a guest have to take when they come into the restaurant? Are they turning left? Are they turning right? Like how do you, in a very like type A, OCD, like really like how do I, what is the best, in my opinion, right? What is the best way to place an order? What should they be looking at when they're placing the orders? What, what, how should the menu be? How should the brand come across to them? How should the food be plated? How should we remove any barriers of entry to Indian food? And, and these, are, these are things that, you know, that I think of the nights that I'm, you know, not sleeping. Like, this is, and, and how do you keep changing it? How do you, again, how do you stay relevant? How do you get, you know, if you don't get better, you get worse. So how do you keep improving? It's cool stuff. Yeah, man. So I'm loving the conversation. Uh, before we go to the speed round, there's one more thing I wanted to bring to the surface. And uh, early on, you mentioned that you uh, don't believe in the giants, that you wanted to uh, create something really special and you, you wanted everybody to experience what it is that you're doing. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, I mean, I should preface this by saying that I tend to kind of lean towards the independent model, the, the restaurant group where, uh, there's multiple concepts and, uh, the, the owners, the people at the top are investing their people in their ideas and their, their concepts. Why do you think, um, the franchise model is the, the right model for you? And I'm, I'm being open-minded in this part. One of the reasons why I have you on the show is because I'm trying to learn from more franchise models and what their intentions are. So I can see it from a different angle and, and, and broaden my um, perspective. So what are some of the thoughts that come to your mind as I'm talking? You know, I, I, I don't want to say I don't believe in the giants. That's no, that's no kind of what I said. I said, I just to clarify, I like to do things my own way. I, I hate status quo. I question everything. And just because, it's worked for, for, for years. You've got to question everything. Take the layers off. Peel, peel, off, peel it off a little bit and see, hey, why are, they, why are people doing what they're doing? And more often than not, bigger companies, they themselves ask that question, like, what the heck? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, I... I, I uh, Sorry, man. Can you repeat this a second? I, no, you're good. You're good. So I'm, I'm trying to get brain tired here. No, I hear you, man. It's been a, it's been a long conversation. Uh, so... I guess what I'm getting at is um, how do you plan on, I mean, you've created something really special and you put a lot of time and energy to make sure you get the right people. Uh, and it, you, you've learned through trial and error that it's, it's tough to get the right people. Um, and that's on a small scale. So how do you plan on keeping what you've created? That's so special as special as it is when you say, try to scale from six, locations to 41 locations in a year like how are you going to have that same impact that same level of care uh across the board like what's your what's your strategy for that like how do you plan on achieving this uh meaningful brand that that's so close to you you know from a from a from a very kind of uh 
keeping it humble, kind of my kids, you know, we've got three daughters and like, we do not want curry if now to ever be come across as a chain restaurant. Right. Uh, now that's from a, from a teenager's perspective, that's a very easy thing to say. However, you, you, when you grow, you kind of become that you, you, that's what you show to the, to the world that we're consistent and we're, 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 we're very, uh, kind of, I, I, I find that very, you know, plain Jane vanilla. I, every restaurant that we build, every, you know, every opportunity that we get, it's very locally kind of centric. It's, it's like, what are people in San Mateo like? What are people in, in, in San Jose like? We, we have this big mural in every restaurant that kind of takes on, becomes a big part of that restaurant. Like, let's be very local. Let's make sure we're very, very kind of hitting the soul of, of, of the guests that are coming to eat with us and then are walking outside our restaurant. So that's on a, on a, on a very kind of high level thing. But how, how, how are you staying relevant? One is I think we've got a brand that's going to stick. Uh, Indian food's never been done correctly uh, in, in the U.S. There, there, there are some very great, there's great restaurants, but they haven't scaled. And when they do try and scale, they don't do a good job with it. Um, our, you know, we're, we're at a point where we've obviously, we're, we're beyond proving concept. We've proven that. We've proven it over six restaurants. Now we're going to prove it, you know, over six or seven states where we're currently franchising or we have franchised in and we're franchising everywhere. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of interest in taking us international. We're not quite ready for that. We want to open, you know, 50, 70, 100 stores in the U.S. And, and then we'll think about going international. Um, but, you know, staying relevant is what are your core values? Because if you're, you know, I met, I met, I met somebody this morning in the, in the restaurant business. She's like, you know, we used to build 350 $400,000 restaurants and we did really well. And now we're building seven hundred and fifty and $800,000 restaurants because we got fancy. We're now making money. The ROI is, is taking longer. To, I'm like, yeah, you moved away from your core values, right? Uh, you changed your menus. You were very local. You were hyper local. And now you're buying food from a big truck. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then don't, don't say that you are still local. And yet there's these, you know, there's these, Foods coming to you from across the world. Um, that's what your core model was. People change, uh, the, you know, and, and if values change, I think that's where it tends to 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 hurt you, and you 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 start losing your relevance. So um, to paraphrase, the big things I got from you there were to really live your core values and do not sacrifice on your core values. That's number one. Number two, it sounds like what you intend to do to say relevant in different geographics is to maybe kind of segment the brand uh, to certain geographics and to kind of say a little bit malleable when it comes to appealing to certain uh, geographics. So you're not, uh, I guess you, you are your core values, but you're doing it on a more hyper focused local level. So you're going to have different segments of the brand in different places. Am I, exactly. yeah, Is that correct. right? Okay, cool. Interesting. Correct. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I think you, you paraphrased very well. Beautiful. Well, I have been loving this conversation. You handled that question really well. It's a tough one because it's a real challenge. And it's like you said, a lot of people, they, they get blinded. They, they get, uh, 
you know, they, they start focusing other on other things to be able to scale and that all of a sudden they aren't what they were originally. And it's a, a real challenge to overcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys do it very successfully. And now we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to wrap it up with the speed round. It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto. That's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash unstoppable. So Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel, and I can tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grain Junction Subs in the Craft Cave, to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable. Nice. So if there's just one thing that you love the most about Revel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. We're back. And the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? You know, it's 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 my my uh, my goal in life is again to, to to get better every day. If you don't get better, you get worse, and I think that keeps me keeps me very very sharp. What is your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness is I don't know if it's a weakness, but I, I you know I I believe every human being can do everything. They've got they've got the power within themselves. Um, but so I, you know, I put people in places where sometimes they're not comfortable. So that might be, you know, on a, on a professional level, maybe my biggest weakness. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? What is your favorite food is, is important to me. Uh, what do you like about food? If you're not a foodie, you're not working at Curry now. It doesn't have to be Indian food. What is your biggest challenge today? My biggest challenge is making sure that there's an Akash in every restaurant, <laughs> opening, closing, uh, and in the restaurant just like how I would every single day. 
Actually, I'm really happy that you're bringing this back up because I made a note to come back to this and I completely forgot. You mentioned something earlier that's worth going into uh, that you created a mini podcast where you're broadcasting a message to all of your team members. Uh, What is your, I mean, why is that so important? What is your intention with doing that? You know, you can write words, you can write emails, you can do corporate memos, text messages. But I think when when employees or managers hear your voice and, and hopefully the passion comes through and, and the vision comes through, I think more clearly. So that's, I think, where, where that comes from. So this is a really great way to leverage technology to to keep your presence uh, solid as you're, as you're expanding, as you are stretching yourself thinner and thinner and you can't be in all these places, you can still use technology to deliver your message in a personal way. And I think that this is one key way to do it. Like what, what way are you doing it? Are you, uh, is it just an audio clip or are you doing video? What platform are you on to do that? That kind of stuff. You know, I, I, I actually do it on my, on my iPhone, on the voice memo app and I don't edit. I don't plan. I don't even write. It comes straight from the heart. heart. I don't even know if I do one tomorrow morning. I don't know which what it's going to be. Um, it might be while I'm driving. It might be while I'm, you know, the last one I did, I think I did it on an airplane. Uh, this was three or four weeks ago. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's, hey, it's, you, you have a moment. You're like, hmm, maybe I should it. You know, they're usually about 90 seconds. And I just speak through it. And if, if I, you know, if, if I make a mistake in the middle of it or I get stuck, I just, I keep going. There's no editing. And are you um, emailing this out? Are you putting it to social media? How are you delivering the message? Yeah, we have an internal messaging platform. We have a phone system called Ring Central, and then they have their version of Slack, which is called Glip. So we just use that. Beautiful. And um, just again, I mean, when you're scaling and you can't be in all these places, use technology to deliver your message. I had Horse Horse Schulze on the show recently, uh, the co-founder of the Ritz Carlton. And something that he does that he says is a huge contributor to his success when he scaled to like 50 locations across the world was that they constantly echo the 24 service or the 24 standards of service. So every day they're going through one of those standards. And um, I mean, you can be the person that's delivering these these core values over and over again from your smartphone with technology. So take advantage of it. Uh, the next question I have for you is what is one book that is a must read Oh, Sorry. I'm going to ask that question again. Cause I skipped one share one uncommon standard of service. You teach your team. So this is something that's standard within your four walls, not standard within the industry. You know, I, I think the, the one we do, and I'm not sure it's standard or unstandard, but we didn't really follow or learn this from somebody. We're like, you've got to touch the guest five times. So not physical touching, but, you know, hello, here's your, here, you know, I'll have your food right out. Because uh, we're, we're, we're not table service, right? We're counter service, and then we bring the food to your table. Um, would you like some more water? It touches like that. Why are you not eating your food? You don't like it? Can I bring you something else? And we do. We don't charge them for it. We want to make sure people are, are eating, right? Because if they're eating, they're liking the food. Uh, and if they're not, they're not liking the food. And before they leave, was everything okay? What could we, what, you know, do, you, do you think we could have done something better? So um, I feel like another way to say that is to, to engage the, the guest five times and to make it personal, not to make it such a transaction, but to really be present. Yeah, and, and we don't want, and the other thing we do is we don't want the guests to get up once they've entered the restaurant, even though we're fast casual, we, we don't want them to even get up to go get their water. We'll bring you the water. We, we're not in the, you know, if you want to go to the restroom, please, if you want to leave, 
leave. But between that, once you've placed your order till the time you finish your food, we don't want you to get it. We, we're, we're asking you to sit. Not because of how we are, we're, we're serving you, we would rather uh, present, you know, serve at the, at, at the table. That's what, we, you know, I don't want the guests to get up and look for water and look, hey, can I order something else? No, we wouldn't do it at the table. What's one core value you teach your team? I, I think I, I, I said this earlier is if, if you serve good food, serve fresh food, serve hot food, follow the recipes and make sure the guests are always happy and there's no reason to complain, the PNL takes care of itself um, because managers are judged on, hey, are you making money at your store? Are you making the same amount of money the other manager's making who's, you know, amazing? And, and so I keep telling them, you know, at, at, at its core, keep people happy, keep your employees happy, keep your guests happy. And how do you keep your employees happy? Obviously, there's, you know, there's, there's a plan to do that. How do you keep your guests happy? It's, it's, it's not a secret sauce how to keep guests happy. And as I said earlier, the standards are low. So yeah, I hear you, you man. have to do better. <laughs> You've got to do better than everybody else. What's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? You know, I like, I like setting the table. Danny Myers uh, book. Um, that is a, a solid book. one. Yeah. Um, we can, I also like, oh, I also like, um, I don't remember the name fully, but I think 10 restaurants that changed America or American rest. I, yeah, I think it's, I think, I don't know the author anymore, but that one, that one was good. Um, but I think Danny Myers book is, is, is it for me? What is one Thing you do, oh, sorry, I would say that again. What is one thing you believe restaurant owners don't do well enough or often enough? I don't think they take care of their employees and they, they don't take care of their guests as much as they should. And including us, we, we have to do a better job. What is one piece of technology that you've adopted within your four walls that's had a huge impact on communication, operations, profitability, uh, efficiency, anything along those lines? I think I, I, I can't say it's one, but you know, obviously the POS system, which is Rebel. Uh, we moved to them many years ago when they were still a startup, and that's been a great move. It's been a great partnership. Uh, but apart from that, we use uh, we use C to it to make sure that restaurants are profitable and managers are looking at their inventory all the time, and they're getting variance reports about you know about their inventory. Uh, the messaging platform super important, and then you know we have a training platform called PlayerLink. And that's, you know, real short snippets of video training and, and audio training. And obviously, there's a lot of theoretical book training in there uh, that, you know, you, you, you're using at Curry now and you're a front of the house employee. You'll have an automat, uh, automated training plan. So these are things that are, you know, that are important so that, so that nobody forgets about them. And do any of these uh, platforms you just mentioned, they integrate with each other? Uh, unfortunately, not. So our business... Our business, for some reason, benefits the last out of technology. I really believe that. I mean, we we suck at technology. So yeah, C two it and Bevel are integrated. Um, there's 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 an invoicing platform that we use called Plate IQ that is also integrated. But like, unfortunately, and maybe 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 the big boys use stuff that's integrated, or maybe they build their own. But the training platform's not. 
Um, but I can tell it's the same training platform that Chipotle uses. So, I mean, I don't know what it integrates to, but it's not, it doesn't, I think it doesn't integrate to HR. Yeah. I, I think that's the next phase. I think that um, the the tech world, the restaurant world, really hasn't quite figured out that the next evolution is creating these tools, uh, these e-learning tools like Wisetail, like the tools that you mentioned, like Tipsy, uh, yeah. that could integrate with your POS or your website to make all these things uh, go into one spot. What was it real quick about Revel that appealed to you? Because I know that there's a lot of options out there. So why Revel compared to all the other options? You know, we were using, we first, when we first started, we had a Aloha and we didn't have a lot of money. And every time we wanted to make a change, it was like thousands of dollars. This is when we first, we had our first restaurant. So after the food trucks, uh, when we first started on the food trucks, we just had a kind of a homegrown POS, a local guy in the Bay area. Uh, but when we started the restaurant, we're like, <coughs> sorry, let's move to Aloha. And, you know, every time we wanted to make a change, it was like thousands of dollars. Like I had to like take the POS to, like 30 miles away. Like, this is really weird. Like, I'm like, this is strange. Anyway, we've, we, we got rid of Aloha and then we, uh, we brought in again, the same, the same vendor, the same POS that we, we had on the trucks. And that was, once we started, that was okay when it was one restaurant, then two and then three, two and three came very quickly. And I'm like, I, how do I get my reports? I don't want, I want, I don't want my manager to like text me the closing from lunch every day. And, and, like this is not this is not right. So it was and the we, access to data started, that appealed to you. Yeah, we started looking for kind of an iPad cloud based uh, system, and and that's when you know, and and I don't think Rebel was ready when we first got. You know, we actually had a concern like these guys are a startup. I'm like, yeah, great, they're a startup. They're going to do a lot of good things. They're going to do some bad things, and we'll benefit with them. And and so that's you know that's how it worked. Beautiful. This is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? I am ready. (laughs) If you got the news (laughs) that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you know to be true that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Um, well, I want to leave behind the chicken tikka masala burrito. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> nobody, one. nobody, nobody gets to take that away from that's me. That's one. <laughs> uh, I, 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 that's what pays my mortgage, and that's what makes people very, very happy, and that makes me happy. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I, I think again, core values. You have got to keep getting better every day. If you don't get better, you get worse. Uh, people catch up to you, and and I don't want to get, you know, I, I, I'd like to be the number one guy. So yeah, my my team after me hopefully we'll do that uh the third thing is taking care of your employees who will then take care of your guests you keep your employees happy your guests will be happy beautiful akash i've loved this conversation thank you so much for taking the time to share your story to share your knowledge we're all better after listening to you we wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out so who is one person that you really admire in the industry and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today you know I think one of the people that we do business with that's helping us build our franchising uh, platform and they're, they're, they're really going to, you know, they're, they're big partners of ours is a company called Fransmart. The CEO, his name is Dan Rowe and he's been involved in some amazing brands like Kidoba and Chipotle and, and sorry, not Chipotle, but the five guys and uh, the halal guys. So I think he would be a, 
he would be he would be he's awesome he's one of the the, the best fast casual or restaurant brains out there so is yeah. that french smart can you say that one more time france smart f-r-a-n smart gotcha like franchising right. what was his name one more time dan Rowe. Dan, look out. I'm coming after you and let the folks at home know. Maybe we want to come join your team. Maybe we want to open one of your restaurants in our area. What's the best way to connect? Just go to the website and, you know, right from there. All right. Uh, this is episode 585. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 585. And I will have a summary of today's discussion, a link to all the tools and resources mentioned and how to connect with Akash over there. Akash Kapoor, again, thank you so much. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. There you go. Another one wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Akash Kapoor, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your knowledge, sharing your story. Some really great lessons to pull from today's conversation. Uh, One that I really loved is the idea of letting your expectation be known and using expectations to keep your team happy. And it sounds kind of counterintuitive when you hear somebody keeping you accountable with expectations. It sounds very limiting, very uh, stressful, uh, very pressure on but the truth is people need to know what the job done right looks like they need to know what your expectation is so they can be uh sit or put their mind to ease when they know that they hit your expectation and that's essentially what your operations manual is it's a list of expectations it's an agreement that we're all on the same page this is what your job done right looks like uh another great takeaway from today's conversation is really being uh intentional about who you hire creating that avatar knowing exactly who it is that fits the the mold of your perfect hire starting with that 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 frame of mind and working back and really setting your your bar high for your people you are only as good as your people and i have a good feeling that akash has has realized that over the years uh as he's scaled this business and uh you know great stuff today can't say enough uh and i really do appreciate akash for letting me kind of put him under the pressure when it comes to scaling in the the franchise model and you know, I, I really want to learn more. I want to broaden my horizon. I want to try to see different perspectives. And uh, he, he answered those questions really well. Put a lot of pressure on him. So thank you for doing that. And uh, like always, guys, please do reach out to me, Eric at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. Keep those five-star reviews coming. Please sign up for my email list. That's how you can stay connected with what's going through my mind, where I'm going to be, the direction of Restaurant Unstoppable, and um, that's how we you know, kind of get the conversation going. So join that list. Uh, be a part of the conversation. Be a part of the movement of transforming this industry. And then lastly, the best way to support Restaurant Unstoppable and what we're trying to do here is by sharing this content. Uh you are the average of the five people you surround yourself in here at Restaurant Unstoppable. You can surround yourself with the best. Make this resource available to everyone you know who is aspiring to be great. And if we can spread the word, if we can get enough people listening to this podcast, uh, we can raise the bar across the industry. I fullheartedly believe that. So let's get this thing going. All right, guys. That's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.